Welcome to the Edge Podcast, your home for recruiting news and team analysis inside the Oregon State Beavers football, basketball, and baseball programs. BeaversEdge.com is the authority on all things Oregon State athletics. Now, here's your host, BeaversEdge.com editor, Mike Singer. Hey everyone, welcome into the Edge Podcast here at BeaversEdge.com. This is Mike Singer, joined by my trusty sidekick, Brendan Slaughter. How's everything going, Brendan? Oh, it's going great, Mike. It's summertime, it's hot outside, and fall camp is right around the corner. Gotta love it. Yeah, let's talk fall camp. Let's go ahead and get right into it uh, for the Beavers. Smith's first fall camp as uh, the head coach here at Oregon State. Obviously, he had spring ball um, to really get to know his players and, uh, you know, implement his systems, uh, you know, in spring ball. But we're just days away here from fall camp. It's a a really big deal, and I hope Oregon State fans are pretty pumped up about it. Brendan, what are you kind of expecting from fall camp um, from this team? Well, you know, more than anything, Mike, I'm just looking to see these these kids that, you know, we've covered for the last few years that um, get to have fun playing the game of football again. Uh, you know, you saw towards the end of last season and even the beginning of spring, guys were still kind of getting into that transition phase. The last season, particularly the last six games of the last season, were really tough on these kids and you could see it in their body language. And, you know, you even had guys like Isaiah Hodgins say in spring that, you know, we weren't giving it our all towards the end of the season. And that's not necessarily something you want to see. So it's great to see, you know, Jonathan Smith come back, provide some energy to the program and really inject some life into a fan base that, I mean, it really was non-existent by the end of uh, the football season last year. I don't have the over-under for win total in front of me for this team. What, what, what are you thinking? How many games do you think this team can win? Well, as I kind of pull up and look at Oregon State's schedule, I believe the the over-under win total from Las Vegas was uh, two, and a half, uh, two and a half with a plus-minus up to three and a half. So last season, I believe it was four and a half or five for Oregon State. Uh, and that was when they were potentially expected last year. I mean, before uh, Oregon State started the season last year, it was there was a pretty good chance that most people thought they could compete for a bowl game last yep. year. I know so we it's did. crazy. Yeah. So it's crazy to think how quickly things can kind of flip on its head. Obviously you have, you know, a, a one and done in Ohio state, you know, that that's a tough way to start the season. And, you know, you're not going to be able to, you know, uh, do much with that, with an opener like that and a head coach's first time. But I think there's a lot of 50, uh, 50 games. And if Oregon state can get, you know, good production, they can get solid and consistent quarterback play. That's a big if. Uh, you know, games like Southern Utah at home, you got to figure that's probably one you could get in the win column. And then you've got some 50-50 games at Nevada. Uh, Nevada's a mid-level Mountain West team. Could be interesting to see how they do there. Both the Arizona schools, brand new coaches in Herm Edwards and uh, Kevin Sumlin down there. Washington State, we don't really know what their um, – how Washington State is, they were picked fifth in the north, and then Cal, Colorado, USC, Stanford, Washington, Oregon. So there's a couple games on there like Washington, maybe Stanford, USC, Oregon that are, you know, really leaning one way, but there's some games that could flip. It just depends on how quickly this team adapts to what Jonathan Smith and his staff want to do here. The Civil War will be 
and Reeser, so I wouldn't say that's too heavily running one way so far. Let's just put that. that out no, that's that's true. But Herbert might. Her, Herbert's kind of like a what a preseason Heisman contender already. Yeah, but. you know I've you know, preseason Heisman contender. I saw the has or I saw him at Pac-12 Media Day. He's let his hair grow down to beyond almost to his shoulders. Got the full locks too. Justin Herbert uh, putting some style out there, and <laughs> I mean, you know, last year he had just played half a season. I'm not so sure on the Ducks yet. There's a lot of a lot of hype, a lot of good recruits uh, headed to Oregon. I'm sure as you know, Mike, but uh, until I see that Oregon staff uh, coach, we'll see what happens. Um, I did a, uh, an interview with Arizona varsity.com, uh, in June. It's the rivals Arizona high school football website. And, uh, they, they okay. asked me what my expectations for were this year as far as a win total. And I said, if it's four wins, that's good. And I was thinking, yeah, if Oregon State wins four wins, that's a good, that's a good first season. And they were like, the two guys that were interviewing, interviewing me were like, dang, like, that's the expectations. I'm like, man, it's a four-win season. It's kind of sad, but that would be a solid first season. And then I think in 2019, fighting for a bowl uh, to get to you know six wins, I think that would be pretty solid. But I think, and we'll talk quarterbacks, but soon. But I'm thinking about who's going to be that 2019 quarterback. That's even more interesting to me, honestly, than who's going to be the quarterback for this season. Let's move along, though. Let's move along. I know you, oh, we'll, we'll I, I, talk I gotta quarterbacks. Got to throw my last little nugget in there. Is as far as schedule goes, you asked what I think the highest expectation could be. Okay. The with all things considered for Oregon State, if it went like according to plan. Things broke their way. I could see them being like a cow last year, where in Wilcox's first season they overachieved, they won five games, and there's a lot of hype. Something like that. Maybe it's four wins. Maybe it's four and eight. Maybe it's five and seven. That would be probably the high end of what I see in that first year for sure. I think Nevada is a pretty much a must-win game. I mean, yes, they're going to beat Southern Utah. Hopefully, I mean, come on. After Portland State last year, who knows? But um, I think Southern Utah, and then. Um, you know, squeeze out a few home wins. Uh, let's it's going to be interesting. Yeah, let's go let's, ahead. Go let's ahead. Let's move along. Um, there's the Pac-12 Media Day uh, on what was it, the 25th, July 25th. Um, yes. I think Jonathan Smith has done extremely well behind the podium. Um, I think he's very passionate and truthful in his answers. Like I don't hear a lot of coach speak from him. Um, so, what were your impressions from his what 26, 27 minute? talk at the Pac-12 Media Day in Los Angeles. Well, I couldn't have said it any better myself, Mike. You said, um, you know, just how comfortable he, he looks up there. And I think a, a lot of that goes into um, how Jonathan Smith, when he's said what his message is, and it's being authentic. And that's what Jonathan Smith is. His message hasn't changed. His philosophy hasn't changed. And he knows what his bread and butter is and how he's going to be able to get recruits and good play in Corvallis and he's sticking to it to a T you know there's realities when it comes to Oregon State you don't have the facilities that Oregon has right you don't have the money that USC has but you do have one of the better college towns in the Pac-12 and you do have a track record of um, guys coming here that can make the NFL and you know doing that authentic experience and you know, when you get guys like Brandon Cooks coming back doing five-part sit-downs, seven. you know, that all helps. That Or seven, excuse me. That all helps. That all helps. And that's the kind of things that Oregon State's going to need because 
truthfully, Mike, I don't know if at any other point in Oregon State history, other than maybe the end of like the Joe Avizano era when he had an 0-11 season, you could have gotten on any more low of a low than Oregon State was when they got beat 69-10 to by Oregon this last year. So we're talking all Oregon State football history. So it's a slow process to rebuild this thing back up. And I'm sure Oregon State fans are frustrated to hear the word rebuild again, obviously. But, you know, hopefully now you can think this is the guy that could hopefully get you there. I remember after that Oregon game, and I, I th- like to think of myself as someone who can think, think of some out-of-the-box kind of articles. Right. I literally had no idea what to do after that game. That was uh, that one was tough. So I think at the Pac-12 Media Day, um, Smith wasn't even asked about the quarterback battle. So I mean, he he's talking to national media and media that covers different schools and whatnot. Um, so this upcoming Media Day at Oregon State is going to be local media. Brendan, you'll be there on Wednesday. Obviously, the quarterback battle is going to come up. A lot more specific stuff about Oregon State football, not just general Pac-12 stuff like we saw last Wednesday. So this upcoming Wednesday, what are you kind of expecting um, and, and what do you want to hear from Smith? Well, I mean, you know, he, he made a brief, uh, I forget if it was in his press conference or in the special that he had on uh, Pac-12 Network uh, with Mike Yam and uh, Yogi Roth. But he did kind of they, they just it was kind of just quick in passing about quarterbacks, just kind of like how's the how's the group in general. And he specifically said we've got a couple guys that have kind of separated themselves that we're really happy about. And the way I interpreted that was is what we've all expected and that it's pretty much going to be that two man race between Jake Luton and Connor Blount. Um, I think while uh, Jack Coletta was in that mix in spring, he was definitely the lesser of the two. Plus, um, not a lot of Division One experience, as he's still a very young guy. So I think it is going to come down to those two guys, and I think it's going to be really interesting to see because I think you have good things, you have pros and cons with both guys, and it's really going to determine like, do they want to put like a band aid on the quarterback position for a year and reevaluate because Jake Luton's only a senior? Do you want to invest in like Connor Blount, who's who in theory has three years of eligibility, and if you you know, like what you see, you can groom him as Smith and Lindgren have done in previous stops. Um, I think at this point, it's those two guys, like you said, beyond that 2019 is uh, a bit of a question mark, but it's going to be really interesting to see how it shakes out because I think there's some exciting possibilities for both guys. I, I want to add some things of some kind of insider little nuggets I picked up. From what I was hearing about Blount um, before spring ball, was not super encouraging. I think that, and and a little bit of this is most of this is hearsay. We'll, we'll just say that. From what I was hearing, Luton was just expected to be the guy, and I think Blount really stepped up this spring to put himself into the conversation. Um, so I think Blount is really impressed. I, I think. And you can correct me if I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, his spring game was really good, but I think the other 14 practices he did not quite look that good. So I think there's a big part of the fan base that's like, we saw what Luton did last year in just a couple games, um, and right? Then, right. But we saw Blount in the spring game; he looked fantastic. But he wasn't as great in the rest of the games. But still, or the, I'm sorry, the rest of the practices. But still, he had a a good spring. I think he impressed the coaching staff. And I don't think they were expecting him to have quite the spring that he had. But I think that 
people are overstating him because of how good he was in the spring game, but he wasn't as good in the other 14 practices. Am I off there? Yeah. I'd say uh, I'd say uh, halfway so. I think, uh, to be honest with you, from when, when spring practice started, it was, you know, you didn't really know. And Connor, when spring practice started, he did not – he, he wasn't, didn't look ready. Connor Blount really turned it around at the Dam City Showcase. From, the, from right before the Dam City Showcase through the spring game, I think he was marginally either right at the level or slightly better than Jake Luton from that Dam City Showcase on. From that point on, I think it was neck and neck between the two – and Connor Blount had the better spring game. Obviously, it's a spring game. It's one game. You don't want to put too much into that one game. But the thing that is intriguing to me is that this is, you know, um, it's almost like Connor Blount is some is, is someone who I think fits what the offense would look like in a perfect world for Jonathan Smith and Brian Lindgren. Not to say that Luton wouldn't, you know, couldn't or wouldn't fit in a modified offense, but I think a more mobile kind of a balanced quarterback that can run and maybe do more of some pull read options like Sefo Lufau and Jake Browning did at Colorado and Washington respectively. So we'll see how they want to get their best personnel on the field, but a multidimensional quarterback definitely adds another wrinkle to your offense. It's going to be so interesting. I'm so excited to read uh, plus, Brendan's. Go ahead. Or, sorry. <laughs> plus the last, last part is, we don't really know, and, the, and you know, I've talked about this at length with, with uh, um, some fellow people around the organization, uh, is that we don't really know what's going to happen with Jake Luton yet because you know Jake Luton hasn't been fully immersed in gameplay since the injury. Uh, obviously, he's done spring practices and done stuff, but he hasn't been drilled since that hit. And I want to see how he reacts to being back on the field, being hit again, and being li- live hit in a full game speed, not practice for the first time, too. He's He said he's excited about getting hit. That's what he's most looking forward to, so that's interesting. Yeah, it is. I mean, that's just something that I would be like, you know, it's interesting to see how that works because, you know, last year we saw he scrambled around a little bit. He moved. Is he going to be hesitant? Is he going to slide? Uh, Jake Luton's one of the, you know, uh, smartest and, you know, just very well-spoken guys that I met, and he's very honest and upfront. And, you know, when we first started talking to him back in, signing day he was like i'm gonna play in spring i'm gonna be ready he was and he looked more comfortable sliding in spring but until i, I until i you can't say 100 percent how he's going to react until you see him on the field if you know what i mean yeah definitely um definitely wishing for the best for jake's health i've uh, been a fantastic kid going back to talking to him as a recruit connor blunts totally exceed expectations out of a what it was a preferred walk-on out of wisconsin yep uh, coming to Oregon State. And then another guy I've been hearing uh, some really good things on is Jake Dukart. Uh, I think that, um, you know, he's such a good baseball player. And, of course, he was committed yep. to play baseball at Arizona State originally. And then uh, committed to Oregon State as a quarterback, but also baseball. And now I don't believe he's going to play baseball. Uh, I think you think uh, – you think- you think Pat Casey went over to Jonathan Smith and said, "I need, I need, I need to keep my talent stock pool up. I, I just want a championship." Uh, I, my- I don't know exactly, Man. but you can't, you can't be a Pac-12 quarterback and be a baseball player. There's just no way. And I think well, it's Duke- almost possible to play two sports like that as is given. I mean, 
Adley Rutschman was a kicker, and even that was difficult. That was difficult. Well, Adley was also so good at baseball. I mean, why even kick and risk getting hurt? Unbelievably good, as we're still seeing. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, why even get hurt on kickoff team? But I'm hearing really good things about Jake. I think he's exceeded some expectations already, just with those player, um, the player practices. Of course, the coaching staff's not really involved. So he's, how long has he been on campus now? Just the summer, um, so okay. just a few weeks. But I just, I'm just hearing really good things. I think that uh, he could be a real hidden gem because when he committed, um, he was right there around the time um, Spencer Petras committed. So Spencer was right. the guy, you know, and then he ended up actually getting bumped up to a four-star while he was committed to Oregon State. And, right. you know, of course I don't want to, um, you know, bring up any old wounds <laughs> there for Beaver fans. But um, so yep. Ducar was, was actually kind of an oh. afterthought, but I think people yes. are pretty impressed with him. So let's kind of move on. So this offseason, Oregon State's lost um, some players due to transfer. A couple notable guys, Bright Ogoebu and Xavier Crawford, um, two guys that really started off their careers with high expectations and um, thought could really be breakthrough guys and have both been top 10, the Beaver's Edge top 20s, and now they're yep. both off the team. You know, What do you see as kind of the impact? And you've wrote about this, Brendan, um, but for those who haven't read the premium articles at beaversedge.com, you know, what do you think the impact's going to be um, left at outside linebacker and cornerback without those two guys? Well, it's going to come down to if the Beavers can stay healthy, and that's a big if. Uh, you and I have talked about it uh, plenty of times since. Oregon State has not managed to stay healthy in, you know, the last three years in the secondary. There's always been huge injuries that have just decimated this secondary, whether it was Anderson's first year, second year, or even last year. Uh, this secondary groups can't stay healthy, and um, – you know, with Xavier out, uh, it's going to be uh, a challenge that back end because he was going to compete for a starting spot. Now you're asking, you know, you need a guy like Jay Irvine, who was, a, you know, kind of a big-time recruit, so to speak, and got a lot of talent. You need him to be on the field for 12 games. You need Dwayne Williams to be on the field for 12 games. Uh, you need Sean Wilson to stay healthy. I mean, there's guys back there, talented guys. Uh, Isaiah Dunn's one of them. Uh, Jeffrey Manning had a great spring. There's young guys. Uh, even Trajan Cotton had a good spring. There's young guys that have talent and can play. But you know, in the Pac-12, there's no no rest for the weary. And you know, if you're if you get hurt and you have to play guys that have little experience, uh, Pac-12 quarterbacks and receivers in this league are going to feast on you. So as for the secondary, if they can stay healthy, I still think they have enough veterans and guys like Dwayne Williams, Sean Wilson. Um, and some of the older or other guys in that back end, uh, David Morris, if he plays this season, um, still kind of a little hazy on whether or not he will. But I, I like what I still can see from that back end. And as for the linebackers, um, I'm curious to see how they play this year. Obviously, in terms of the uh, linebackers, it's going to be interesting to see how they're deployed. You know, it's kind of been said that uh, Hamilcar Rashad and Key Wetzel, the two outside linebackers, are going to serve more like hybrid defensive ends so to speak so you know that only leaves maybe two inside linebackers some uh the impact might not be quite as uh deep for the beavers if key wetzel and hamilcar Rashad stay healthy it, at this point it looks like it's health because they're not super deep at a, a lot of positions but they have pack 12 starting caliber guys at positions that will need to step up and you know stay healthy which is a big if Definitely would like to add Justin Garner at that, uh, talking about defense yes. back position, really hearing good things about him. 
Uh, let's talk about uh, Brian Wozniak getting the tight end's job um, and Mike Riley staying in as kind of a consultant role, and, and Jonathan Smith talked about that at the Pac-12 Media Day uh, last week. Uh, what are your thoughts about that hire? I think that was pretty much expected. Um, for months now, recruits have just referred to Wozniak as the tight end's coach. So on the recruiting side, Wozniak has been doing just as much recruiting as Riley has, to be honest. I think Riley has been has had more of an impact when recruits actually come on campus, but as far as contacting recruits, Wozniak has been doing a lot, so there's not even really a transition there. Um, but what are kind of your thoughts on the Wozniak hire and uh, Riley staying in a consultant role? Because that's, that new football league doesn't start until, what, February 2019? Yeah, I, I really like uh, the Wozniak hire. I think uh, sometimes in programs, internal hires are a good thing, and especially when a coach now is, you know, he's been – um, you know, in in the trenches with his staff now, pretty much since January, and I don't think bringing someone outside is necess- was necessarily um, a good thing. Wozniak is uh, extremely well respected by the players, and sometimes having an ex player, he's got good experience at Wisconsin, Big Ten um, pedigree, and I-, I like it. I think it's a smart, safe internal hire that's going to pay off uh, well with dividends and. As far as the Mike Riley thing goes, it's – I don't know how I feel about it. It's its interesting because, you know, when it was first announced that Mike Riley was leaving, there was a lot of like – I guess just kind of like, okay, bye from Oregon State fans, you know, both on the BeaverTouch.com board, across social media and Twitter. Um, you know, even, you know, reporters around the state were just kind of like, you know, Oregon State fan or Mike Riley leaving again. You know, there was even some – storylines that Mike Riley treated Oregon State as a pit stop one more time but you know now it's come back that he's back so I don't know if you know I mean uh, I don't know how how it's going to work exactly the consultant role but you know he's not doing any on the field coaching so it's uh you know kind of be here when you can but it's almost the same token is Riley giving you a hundred percent of his time Probably not. So it's it's interesting to see how that dynamic's going to work out because he's splitting between here and San Antonio now. I don't I don't love it as long as he just yep. is not in the news and he's not being talked about. Uh, that's that's what that's what needs to happen. And if Jonathan Smith gets what he needs from Riley as a guy he can really trust and get advice from, then that's good. But. I mean, I mean can, we just, can we just end this already, <laughs> right? I mean, can yeah. he just go? No, I mean to be. A- to be 100% honest with you, Mike, and if, if you know, we talked about this when Jonathan Smith first got the job, um, if there was someone who was going to be a, a consultant role, which is, you know, very off the field in terms of, you know, not, not being able to coach or anything, um, I, I was, I still think at some point, I don't think it's out of the question that if Riley ever ends up having to go somewhere, I think Dennis Erickson would be a great offensive consultant too, as, with, as well as he's connected to Jonathan Smith as well. So we'll see, you know, consultants might come in and out and Riley and will probably be around the program for a while and maybe be some kind of a, you know, liaison, so to speak, helping, helping out when he can. But it's just, it's kind of weird to know that like he's here, but he's not, it's off the field, on the field. No one's ever going to really see him unless you're, you know, specifically working with him, I guess. Yeah. And and I think Smith talked about he would be um, helping out with recruiting visits and whatnot. And I think he can do an excellent yep. job because I remember talking to recruits in December and January and they just really talked up, you know, how much they enjoyed hanging out with Mike Riley. Um, and of course his wife is also a really good recruiter as well. 
Um, yep. Which is, I mean, the recruits, their families just really love talking to them both. Let, let's move on to some recruiting talk. Um, Oregon State picked up a new commitment on Friday night um, from Alex Austin out of Long Beach Poly, six foot one, 175 pounds. Uh, so you really like his size. And mainly uh, under-recruited, I would say. He just got ranked uh, a two-star, um, 5.4, which is basically a high two-star. Um, I would have put him at a 5.5. Um, I-, I think he's that good. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to fight the analysts at Rivals for having him at a 5.4. I think he's a solid cornerback. Um, I think it's a position to need Oregon State. Uh, have how many commitments now? It's commitment number eleven. Um, they got defensive linemen. Um, they've got a couple receivers. So they got their tight end. So they got some positions locked down. They have one cornerback commitment previously in Winston Russell. So Austin gives them a second cornerback commitment. Um, so this was a position of need. With you know they got Crawford going. Dwayne Williams graduates. So they definitely wanted to keep loading up the cornerback position. Um, so definitely liked the pickup of Alex Austin. And again, it's from Long Beach Poly. And this is something I've talked about on the on our premium board. Oregon State now's got commitments from Modern Day. Um, what's Ryan Frankie's high school? Oaks Christian, and now Long Beach Poly. Those are three of the top high schools in Southern California and Gary Anderson's staff did not make good inroads there at those high schools in Southern California. And, uh, I have just heard that the, the coach that was the area recruiter from there just did not, just did not do a good job going in there from Gary Anderson's staff. So again, really love that, um, that Oregon yeah, State's and, getting and, in there. Yeah. Just to throw my two cents on here is, you know, some of my, um, close family is, um, lives down in Long Beach, and Long Beach Poly is one of the better athletic uh, schools in Southern California. Uh, they pump out a lot of really, really good football players, and I'd like to see um, continued recruiting success down there, especially in the Long Beach area. You know, there were a couple guys um, back in the early Mike Riley era from Lakewood, California, Long Beach, California, that ended up having some pretty good um, uh, careers over their time, and uh, definitely, definitely seeing a guy from Long Beach Poly, a physical cornerback. Uh, I like, I like, I agree with you. I think he's a little underrated and, you know, Long Beach Poly, as I said, one of the better conference football schools and high schools and conferences. Uh, he's played some really good competition down there. I think he could be a great fit in Oregon State. Absolutely. Uh, the one thing I, I will say about him, if there's, if there's anything, uh, not necessarily negative, but he's at Long Beach Poly, so... A ton, a ton of colleges have seen Alex Austin play. Yeah, and he does. And Oregon State's his only P five offer. So I'm not saying that that those coaches are right for not offering it. I don't know. It's just something to point out that uh, that's fair. I, I that's think a he's point. a legit prospect. I'm actually kind of surprised that more. Um, it's just Oregon State, Colorado State, Hawaii, Ma- uh, Montana State, and he's got a few other Mountain West offers. So I just think it's kind of interesting. I uh, want to move on to uh, quarterback recruiting. Obviously, this is something that. Uh, has to be talked about. It's um, you know about we're about to be entering August, and Oregon State still doesn't have a quarterback commitment. Uh, they've gone through several several different targets from Hank Bachmeyer uh, to Paul Pefiri. Um, there was uh, what the kid that committed to Arizona State. I, I forget his name, but they've been through a few different quarterbacks. Now that just to give an update, uh, top option on the boards Michael Johnson Jr. Um, he's committing. 
um, I think, what is it, Wednesday on August 1st. Yes. And uh, what I've, I've been hearing, I think this is what others have been reporting as well, that Penn State's the, the leader in the clubhouse, and um, that's my prediction for him. Um, I, I do think that. I think Oregon State, you think know, they came on a little too late? Yeah, in his prob- recruiting? probably. I, I because think, I mean, I think they might not have. I think they thought that they didn't have a chance, so they didn't really recruit him. Because I mean, he's um, he's close by at Sheldon, and um, but I I think it was you, a little bit too little, too late. If they had staff continuity, given um, that you know you've you've kind of uh, covered and watched him, I, do you think from, I don't think Gary Michael- staff recruited him that long. I, and, I don't think they recruited him very much either. Yeah, so I mean, if 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 you know the rules were reversed, you know, sometimes obviously it didn't. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. It didn't appear like um, there was that Oregon was ever going to be like he didn't have much interest in playing for his father at Oregon. He did. They were up there for a little bit, but I think that fell through. And I think I, I I've thought about that. Like he's not going to go play where his dad's at, but it's so smart. Coaches, how long do they last at school? Like, especially an assistant coach, like well, Cristobal could. Cristobal could have, he could be out in two years, and then his dad's, and then his dad's oh, not there, and then Michael well, Johnson Jr.'s there, not playing for his dad. Well, I tell you what, though, Mike, with the, after what happened with Willie Taggart and the extension and the job security and the buyout that's required now, I think Cristobal's at least locked in for three or four years. They've made they've made sure that Oregon will never have another coach leave again. <laughs> But they, the they, really could, they could get rid of him if they're not happy with the results. That's what I'm saying. You just don't know. So I think it's smart. Go where you want to go. Don't go there because your friend is there or your even dad is on staff. You're you right. go where you want to go. And Penn State, I think, is kind of a. It's. it's it, I wasn't. You I wouldn't Oregon have expected State Penn State. Is a dark horse at all? Yeah, of course. And I think you never know what can happen there. So I think Oregon State would be very smart to keep in touch with him. I also think Oregon State would be very smart to keep in touch with guys that have already committed elsewhere, like a Hank Bachmeyer and a Pafiri, uh, Joey Yellens, the kid who committed to Arizona State that I mentioned. Yep. I think it's really smart to keep in touch with these kids because you, know, you don't know coaching changes will happen. You just don't know. Keep in touch with that. But other than Johnson Jr., you know, fingers crossed, Beaver fans, that he picks Oregon State, I, I don't see it. And I'll check in with my sources and – and talk about it on the on the our uh, the damn board at beaversedge.com. But other than Johnson Jr., Oregon State's staying pretty patient, and I think it's a smart move. Like I mentioned, with guys who could decommit, so you don't have to jump in and, and get just take a quarterback to take a quarterback. They're gonna evaluate some quarterbacks the first three games of kids' senior season. That's when you'll see um, new offers go out at really any position because that's what schools want to see is your early senior season tape. So guys like Weston Egit and Nathan Priestley, um, Oregon State's going to continue to evaluate those guys in California and, and decide on an offer. So um, in, in worst-case scenario, and, Oregon State doesn't take a quarterback, and I think that's okay because they have Jake Ducart, who's looking good, and uh, who knows, they could take a grad transfer. So Oregon State's got plenty of options, um, so I, they're not rushing anything, and I'm, just, I'm glad they're not taking a quarterback just to take a quarterback. Well, two things. First, uh, you never know. Uh, you never know, Mike. I still think here, and I still think here in about uh, a month, uh, uh, Jalen Hurts is going to be looking for a new place when Tua Tagovailoa takes over the Alabama job, as that was uh, floated kind of funnily for a while. And sec- secondly, I think more than anything, uh, when it comes down to um, Oregon State's quarterbacks, you know, if it could be as well that if they don't want to force a guy that maybe doesn't fit their program, and I think that's 
uh, a lot of things. You know, you could take a quarterback, like you said, just to take a quarterback. But Smith wants the right guys in there, and yeah. maybe he, maybe like you said, they're already high on Ducart. Maybe they think he's going to be the guy in the future. Maybe it's not this year. Maybe it's next year. Um, and also, we saw maybe Oregon State gets the benefit of a situation. Everyone last year thought Spencer Petras was a lock, and Iowa came in the last second and flipped him. Maybe Oregon State gets a flip instead of being on the on the wrong side of those flips. Yeah, it's absolutely possible. We'll we'll have to see. Um, they're not rushing it. They're staying patient. They're waiting for their guy. They've uh, they had a quarterback uh, visit in, in June, and and uh, um, and was it Nathan Lamb? I believe his name was. So yep. uh, there's a, that's another guy we're gonna say we'll continue to keep an eye on. Um, so we'll definitely keep uh, keep the coverage on that at BeaversEdge.com. Uh, just a couple other things to mention real quick for the end. We end the podcast. Uh, Riley Sharp, who was a, a LDS recruit back in the Anderson era, I believe it was what class of 2016. Um, as we've reported for months and months, um, is expected to come back to Oregon State. He's actually on campus this weekend. I believe he got in on Thursday, so we might be right. As we record this on Saturday, he's wrapped up his visit probably by now. But um, So Riley Sharp visited over the weekend. Um, Alex Austin, who committed, was on campus on Friday. And um, Giles Jackson, uh, big-time running back prospect for the Beavers, was also on campus on Friday. And um, he's got Oregon State in his final group. I think he's leaning Oregon. Um, his decisions later in August, so Oregon State's got plenty of time to try to work on him. But I think right now he might be leading Oregon, um, so we'll just have to wait and see on that one. Oregon State's definitely got other running back targets that I really like um, too, and one guy that I've actually put in a uh, Rivals forecast prediction for, which is uh, a new tool that Rivals is doing, where um, Beaver's Edge subscribers will get to make predictions on recruits. So people think they're insiders. Well, now you get to put your money where your mouth is and actually make predictions for recruits. And we'll and we'll get to track. And I think we'll even get to have like a leaderboard. So we'll get to see who the top subscribers are with their predictions, as well as obviously I'll be making predictions. Brendan, I hopefully you can make some predictions as well. Absolutely. So that's going to be really... So I have a recruit and I posted nuggets, um, let's see, on uh, the 26th. I had a, a batch of nuggets in there. I posted that uh, I, I believed that Alex Austin would commit. I put in a forecast in our beta, for our backend stuff for rivals. We can already make predictions in the forecast, but no one can see them yet. But I predicted Alex Austin. I actually said a month ago I thought Austin would be committing. Um, so also in those nuggets, I have another a running back prospect that I'm predicting for Oregon State. Um, so make sure to check out the nuggets. Uh, you can find those on the front page and also on the damn board at beaversedge.com. So that's going to wrap it up for us. Uh, Brandon, you got any final comments? Uh, f- football fall camp right around the corner. Make sure to stay tuned for Beaver's Edge. Uh, I'll be down there for all of fall camp and looking forward to bringing uh, Edge some great content and covering Jonathan Smith's first fall camp. It's going to be a real exciting time here at uh, Corvallis. Yeah, our, our website's going to be loaded in August with recruiting coverage and, and fall camp coverage. Really looking forward to that. So, again, everyone, thank you so much for listening to the Edge Podcast.